Christmas Eve is coming up in a couple weeks, and we are going to have a service here in this building. Uh, it is going to be a multi-church service. So we got some friends from a couple other churches that are going to join us and all be together. I'm very excited about that. Um, we're actually, we had kicked around the idea of having two services, uh, but after the governor's extra announcements this week and where everybody's just assessing where they're at, uh, we are just going to do one service on Christmas Eve, 6 p.m. So everybody look at somebody else and say 6 p.m. All right, so 6 p.m. Christmas Eve, we're going to be here. We're going to have friends from the body of Christ in the region. How many of you know that what's going on in the kingdom of God and in our city and our region is bigger than just us? All right, two people know that. How many of you know that it's bigger than just us? Like, it, there really is something exciting about coming together and being reminded that it's not just me, it's not just even my family, it's not just my church, it's the body of Christ at large throughout the world that's moving and doing things for him. So uh, Christmas Eve, 6 p.m., and we'll give you more information about that, but it's going to be an exciting time to be together. Uh, we're going to start a series just for a couple weeks leading up to Christmas called Unwrapping Christmas, and we're going to talk a little bit about what the real meanings behind Christmas is. What are the things that are important? What are we after? I'm not going to unwrap all of those presents, although, Christina, they looked awesome. You did a great job wrapping them. How many of you wish that your presents at home looked as good as what Christina did here on the stage? Like, I might have to farm out my gift wrapping to you this year. Uh, in the midst of all the craziness, I, I was thinking about just what's been going on in 2020, the, the things that people are dealing with. How many of you saw news that there was a vaccine that got approved and coming out? Like, can we just say thank you, Jesus, for doing something, releasing a cure that's going to cause people not to be in fear and not to have to worry about what's coming around? Uh, I don't know about you, but I believe every time a disease gets cured, that is the kingdom of God expanding in the earth. Come on, does anybody agree with me on that? Come on, because there is no sickness, there is no disease, there is no death, there is no sorrow, there is no crying in the kingdom of God. When Jesus shows up, he always eradicated those things in his earthly ministry. And I believe whether, come on, when Jonas Salk cured polio and he got a, a vaccine for it, I don't know if he ever got down on his knees and said, thank you, Jesus, but I know where the cure came from because that's part of who he is. Anything that promotes life and eradicates disease, he is all about that. And uh, that's not where I was going in my notes at all. But in the midst of this season and what's been going on in life in 2020, uh, I actually heard a song this week, and the, some of the lyrics were, rest assured that Christmas saves the year. And the, the song was all about like, hey, our plans have been thrown to the wayside. Everybody misses their families. They're wanting to be home. They're wanting to connect with people. And in the midst of what's going on, rest assured that Christmas saves the year. We are in a season that really has the potential to offset a bunch of the junk that happened in 2020. Nobody, nobody thinks that's true. Thank you. I got, I got one amen on that one. Um, we're in this season, and why does it offset the junk that's happened in 2020? Because it's joy, it's the holidays, but also we're in a season that this time right now is a reminder that it really is all about Jesus. He is the answer that the world needs, and this is a time and a season around Christmas that people are stopping and they're focusing on him. They're open to discussions about him. They're, they're open to realizing that he came for them. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're call, called to remind ourselves of and carry that message into the world at this season. Uh, who's actually finished shopping already? 
Can I get a show of hands? We'll just do a little informal survey. One, two, three. Wow. Three people in the whole room are done shopping. All right, out of those three, who's actually done wrapping everything already? One. That is amazing. Can we just give Di a hand this morning? That, that is pretty amazing. God, God bless you. That's a great feeling. Who in the room for a show of hands hasn't even started shopping yet? Oh, yeah, there's, there's more people on that end of the spectrum. Uh, have, you, have you ever gotten excited about the gifts that happen this season and even just looking under the tree at all the gifts that are wrapped up? Like, I see all these gifts on the stage. I see the, gift in, the gifts in, under the tree in the picture. How many of you get excited just by seeing that? that? That visual gives you excitement. Like all the wrapping, those presents look amazing. They're all arranged under the tree. Uh, when you see those, those pictures under the tree like that, how many of you guys do one-at-a-time gift unwrapping on Christmas, or is it a free-for-all? Like, like, there are some people, I've seen both families that do it either way. We, we, always, we were the one-at-a-time people. Maybe that's because I'm a little nerdy, and I like to write down like who gave everybody what gift so that we can thank them later. But I've seen some families that it's okay. You just go, and it's a free-for-all. Like, my name's on that present. I'm opening it. All that work, all this wrapping, like, 30 seconds, it's gone. It's just done and it's obliterated. And I was just thinking, like, that is part of the excitement, though, is you see the stuff and you're so excited, not because of the wrapping paper, but because of what's inside of it. Is that, is that true? Like, the wrapping paper excites me, but the real value is what's inside the gifts. I was going to unwrap one of these this morning. It's conveniently uh, wrapped way different than all the other ones, so I would know and remember which one it is. Not that anything could ever go wrong in a church service with uh, things that you prepared ahead of time. So I was, I was excited to open <laughs> this gift, and as I was opening it, there's an ornament in there. And uh, on this ornament, it actually has a bunch of little uh, faces with Christmas caps on it, and it says, Winnie, Chris, Pam, Dylan, Ashley, Daniel, Silas, Heather, Leo, Eli, Levi, and Jackson. That's, that, is, that is the people in our family. And uh, when I was unwrapping this gift or, or thinking about this message, it reminded me sometimes one of the things that we unwrap about Christmas or one of the things that's so important about Christmas is family. And Christmas is a season that reminds us that those are the things that are really important in our lives. Uh, no matter what gifts we get or give, uh, no matter what happens in the rest of the season, the thing I'm most excited about is spending time with the people whose names are on this ornament because that's my family, and I'm so excited about it. Um, very close to that feeling of spending time with my family is coming to worship together with us because this is my family also. And that's part of what Christmas is all about, is centering us back on, we peel back all the layers. One of the things that I want to talk about this week is family. And, and just... Think for a minute, like the, the best gifts you've ever gotten, the best gifts you've ever received, you might not remember what it was wrapped in, but you remember what is inside. And it's the same thing with Christmas. I don't remember exactly every Christmas. Is anybody else there or is that just me? Like I, I can tell you a general idea of what, maybe even what we did last year. I don't remember every Christmas and all the details and all the wrapping that surrounded it, but I remember moments of being with family. And, and seeing the kids come down the stairs with these big smiles on their face or being excited about opening a gift. I remember those moments eating around the table and making memories with my family. And uh, that's, I just think, one of the cool things. It was in the, announce, in the news 
But uh, one of the cool things is pictures help us make memories. And Jess and our friends from Steel City Selfies are here today. So I'm hoping that you get a chance to take a Christmas picture and make a memory with your family in the foyer after church. Um, so I unwrap this. This reminds me of family. And uh, part of my prayer is that Christmas is a time to get back to family this year. Out of all the other things that we've, maybe people have had to let go and they're, they're feeling isolated this year, family is really an important part of Christmas, and I want us to focus back on that. Uh, if you're reading through the New Testament, the very first verse you get to in Matthew chapter 1 is this, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's, that's like not the most exciting verse you've probably ever read in a church service before, is it? It's the genealogy of Jesus. And then it gives a long list of his ancestors and the people who were in his family. Uh, one translation actually says, here's the family tree of Jesus Christ. So this was, Jesus did the little swab inside his cheek. This was his 23andMe results. Uh, as might have been a dad joke almost. I don't know the answer to that. These are the people that were related to Jesus. This was his lineage, his ancestry, and it was important. They recorded it in Scripture for several reasons. It was important to the Jews because they needed to know that Jesus was related to David. There was something, there were promises that had come about the Messiah that the Jews were waiting to receive somebody who was in the line of David. For us as Gentiles who were born again and followers of Jesus now, this is an important verse to us because there are promises that come to us because of the covenants that God made with Abraham and with David. If you go back sometime later, do a study in the scriptures. What promises did God make to David? What promises did God make to Abraham? We get to receive those benefits because we're in Christ. That's part of why that's important to have that in the list of all his ancestors. But on a very practical level, I feel like this verse reminds us and shows us that God loves to move through families. Come on, think about this. Jesus could have just appeared out of thin air, right? He, he was God. He could have made that happen. If he was going to manifest himself, hey, you've been waiting for a Savior, he could have just stepped out of the clouds and said, here I am. But he didn't do that. He chose to manifest himself to be born into a family. Uh, this is how it happened in Matthew 1.18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. God didn't just pick some random unattached person to say, hey, you're, I'm, I'm going to come through being born as a baby, but it's just gonna, I picked you out of everybody. God said, I'm sending my son into a family that will raise him and care for him. I, you know, Jesus was born as a baby. Somebody had to change those diapers. Come on, can, can we just think for a second that Jesus really came as a baby? Somebody had to put him over their shoulder and burp him. That's not a very flattering picture to think of the Son of God having to, having to have a burp after he ate something. But he was a real baby, and God said, I need to put him in a family to care for him and to raise him. And even after Mary got pregnant, what was one of the first things that happened? She went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. There was a sense of family and saying, we're going to go through this together. We have something that we need to do to help each other. Mary is commended for being obedient to the Lord. God asked her, hey, have this baby. And she said, do whatever you want. I'm your servant. That's commendable, but she didn't have to do it alone. It wasn't a burden that she was meant to carry by herself. 
being surrounded by family is the best place to fulfill your calling from God. There's something that we've all, we all feel like, man, I'm passionate about doing this, or I, I need to do this as a witness for Jesus, whatever it is. We weren't meant to do it alone. We were meant to do it in the context of family. If your calling from God causes you to isolate, then you may need to go back and adjust what you think is your calling. Thank you. I got one that's good. That's part of why the church is so important. There's a place to express the gifts that God has given us in a place that we're not just isolated and by ourselves. It would have been completely different. Can you imagine being Mary if she had gotten pregnant and then had to be all by herself to handle this? This this is part of why I think the church is called to help people who are single moms and orphans and widows because we're not meant to do it alone. Can you imagine just for a second if they said, okay, Mary, you're pregnant. It's the first century now. The Romans are here. It's, It's a really tough time to live to start with, but you're completely on your own. We'll talk to you later. How awful would that have been? But she had family to surround her to help her with what God had asked her to do. And it's the same thing with us today. We are placed in a family that helps us with what God has asked us to do. I I so appreciated the outreach we did a couple weeks ago where Elliot kind of rounded everybody up to help deliver groceries and and do this outreach, but he didn't do it by himself. Elliot, you didn't make 70 deliveries of packages, did you? How many? You did like five maybe, right? So it's part of, hey, he had this calling, he had this passion. Man, we need to do this. We need to touch the community with the love of Jesus, but you don't have to do it by yourself. That's why we're together, we're in family. God never intends us to do life alone. Psalm 68, 6 says, God places the lonely in families. He's never about people being alone off by themselves to do anything. He puts us in families together. This is why the church is so important. It's a place for relationships. It's a place to be encouraged. It's a place to be sharpened. How many of you know that we have some rough edges that need to be knocked off? This is a great place to do that. If you come to New Life long enough, you will be offended at some point. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But you don't get offended and leave. Like Part of being family is you work those things out. You have relationship. You value each other so much that you say, I want to figure out how to grow through this. And if we come to those points where where we're by ourselves and we think it's easier if I just do it by myself, that's a deceiving lie from the enemy i'll just say it that way if, if there's some voice that's whispering in your ear like forget all those people it's going to be easier just do it yourself just you don't need anybody else that's not god telling you that. that's that's the enemy saying that in your ear anyway gosh life is hard enough come on without having to do it alone there there are just there are things about life that make it difficult to go through and it's incredibly difficult if you're by yourself having to do it that's why this, weird, this, this year has been so weird. Come on, with isolation and being apart and, and unhealthy isolation to not be around other people. Let's be praying for Christmas to be a season of people reconnecting and finding those relationships that help support each other. For people to connect, come on, naturally and spiritually. I think there's a lot of families out there. I've, I've personally talked to people that said, I've not seen my mom or my grandparents since March. Hello, can we, can we all agree that that's not healthy? And I'm praying, Lord, let Christmas be a season of reconnecting in those families. If, if, uh. And that's just natural family. Not to mention people that 
we love that we haven't got to see and give a hug and see in person since March. Man, we need each other. Hmm. Christmas is all about family. And that's part of it is the connection in those relationships. And I want to I wanna just talk real briefly before we go this week about some guys that had been on the outside. They had been isolated and apart from their families. And the first Christmas was an opportunity for them to come together. I mean, do, how many of you know people right now that they're kind of feeling like I'm on the outside? I'm disconnected. I, I don't have those healthy relationships. I've been by myself most of the year. Maybe they just don't fit in or they've been being excluded for whatever reason. Maybe we're sitting in this room this morning and we feel that way, like I'm isolated or excluded. Here are the guys I want to talk about. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, There were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Come on, the shepherds were more than just figurines in your nativity set. I, I saw some cool nativity sets this year. I won't, uh, I won't tell you. They were minimalist nativity sets. Now, now that I'm in the middle of preaching this, I wish I had a picture on the screen to show you. Cause they were great. Uh, minimalist nativity sets. They had a bunch of little boxes with the names written on them. Like just plain square wooden blocks that said, Mary, Jesus, Joseph. Had them all on the shelf. Or, it was great. Uh, but they're more than that. The shepherds were real guys in a real story that lived with sheep all the time. Uh, a common theme, if you read some commentary about who the shepherds were, almost every biblical commentary has one thing in common. They all say the shepherd's life was hard. It, it was not a very attractive life. It was difficult. Uh, they were living out in the fields, that verse said. That, that literally means living outside. Perpetual camping. There may be some of you in this room that enjoy that, but I am not among them. Like, my parents did not raise me as a camper. I'm, I'm sorry just to be so vulnerable and open to you right now. Uh, my parents went camping one time when they were married. Uh, they went somewhere up near Pima Tuning, and that weekend they had record lows, and my dad had, like, a sleeping bag and a tent that he had bought at Kmart. Like, it was not cold weather gear. It was not something that you would say, hey, we're camping, but this is great. We don't have to worry about the elements. They were miserable. And so from that day on, we never camped again. Like, like our idea of camping was, hey, we stayed in a two-star hotel instead of a four-star hotel or something like that. I don't know. We, we were not people who roughed it, and my dad passed that along to me, and I unfortunately passed it along to Silas. Uh, I don't know, Silas, have we ever been camping in our lives? Our, our idea of camping is we're going to go in the backyard, we're going to make a fire in the fire pit, we're going to sit around it till like 11 or 12 at night, roast some marshmallows, tell some stories, enjoy each other's company, then I'm going in and take a shower and sit in my own bed. The shepherds didn't have that. It was common that the shepherds were actually in the fields with the sheep for months at a time. This, this was not a, I'm going to go to work every morning and punch the time card, put in my shift, and then go home at night. They literally lived with the sheep for months at a time, in all kinds of weather, uh, constantly needing to find where am I going to get water and food for the sheep, looking out for dangers, oh, there's wild animals. They were with the sheep all the time. This was a commitment. This was not just a, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this for a little bit and then go home to my safe house. This was a commitment that they were in it. It was not a job that many people wanted. Talk about being isolated and out on your own. Uh, early on in the Bible, if you're reading through the scriptures from the beginning to the end, 
shepherding was actually a noble and a respected profession. There, there were kings and priests, and the patriarchs did it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all recorded as being shepherds. How many of you remember the story of David? What was David doing before he was a king? He was a shepherd. What, we always hear, hey, David was a man after God's own heart. And we always, well, I do, I immediately equate that to because David worshipped. He knew what worship meant, and he spent time with God. What if David was called a man after God's own heart because he was a shepherd? Because he took care of sheep that couldn't care for themselves? What if that was part of the deal? It used to be a noble profession, but somehow, by the time that Jesus was born, shepherds were looked down upon. It was not a job that anybody wanted. Uh, They had bad reputations. Uh, Some of the early rabbinical writings actually encouraged people, don't buy stuff from shepherds because it's probably stolen. Can you imagine that? Going from being an honored and respectable profession until they're saying, don't even trust these guys. In uh, the first century, a shepherd could not hold a job as a judge or even be called to give a witness as a witness to give testimony in a court. That's how unreliable shepherding had become and how looked down upon it was. Can you imagine that? From being, hey, I'm a king, I have sheep, and I'm a shepherd, to all the way to you can't even be called in court as a witness because we don't trust. Oh, oh, that is, that is, that is a dad joke, but also a Jones joke. She, Christina, just said, "Would you say that shepherds are on the lamb?" Uh, no, I wouldn't personally say that, but since it came up, I'll throw it in there. Uh, a noble profession had become disreputable, but thank God, Jesus is all about restoration. Come on, He's about reconnecting. He redeems things. He called, and later in his ministry, Jesus actually said, I am the good shepherd. A, a job that nobody else wanted, Jesus came and said, I'm the one that has come to do just that. Uh, in Ephesians 4.11, it actually says pastor, but the Greek word there is poimon, which is shepherd. It says a shepherd is one of the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Come on, from being a disreputable occupation, Jesus restores it and says, it's so valuable and important that I'm actually giving it as a gift to the church, people who will shepherd. Before Jesus came on the scene, shepherds weren't feeling too honored. But then this happened in the story in Luke chapter 2. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Talk about being included. From going to a place of dishonor, or, or you're just put out in the field like, we don't even care about you. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherd, the guys that nobody wanted to listen to, the guys that were out in the field smelling like the sheep for months at a time. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The angel of the Lord didn't appear to the kings or the priests or the important people. Come on, there's there's people we would go down the list today and say, hey, if I was going to make a grand appearance and an entrance and wanted everybody to see it, there are people that I would call before I would go to the shepherd. They were so marginalized, but God sent the angel to appear to them. And the angel said to them, come on, it was, it was terrifying. The glory of the Lord shone all around them. And the angel said to them in Luke 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Come on, the, the good news was that the Savior of the world would be born. That's still good news today. And if you look at it in that verse, if you notice the gospel or the good news should always produce joy and be for everyone. And I just want to say that again. 
the gospel, if we're preaching it right, the gospel should always produce joy and it should never exclude anybody. The, the gospel was for all people. The angel said, this is a message that's so good, it's going to produce joy in everybody that hears it. And I would encourage us to evaluate, how are we sharing the gospel with people? What's it producing in them when we share it with them? Is there joy that's, wow, it's so great, how do I get in on this? Is it for all people, or do we only... I'm thinking of a bunch of people in my mind, certain groups that a lot of people try to exclude. Are we preaching the gospel for them? Did Jesus come to embrace them? I was actually thinking this week, which I'm almost afraid to say it, but I was at, but Pam's back with the kids today, so I'll say it. She's not here. Um, I was actually thinking this week, how many people, if, if we had to count the number of people, which, which group would be more? How many people that we've told about how good Jesus is recently? Or how many people that we've told what we think about a certain political person? Yeah, that's not an amen. That's an ouch moment, isn't it? Maybe, maybe that was just for me this week. Have, have I spent more time complaining about the governor's order or complaining about who's in or not in the White House and who's going to get in or not get in? Have I spent more time emphasizing those things in my conversation than just getting back to, man, Jesus has been so good in my life. I, I need to tell you about something. It's, it's the news that will bring you joy. More than, there's, there's a lot of news out there and some people watch it and it brings them joy and some people have the exact opposite effect, watching the same news. But there is news that will bring joy for all people. And it doesn't matter which side of a political aisle you're on, which side of the tracks you've come from, whether, what color your skin is. It doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum of anything. It's good news that will bring joy for all people. And that's the person that I want to be, is somebody that's known more for, hey, I share good news with people, and I'm not the one that goes around complaining or sharing my opinions about things. I'm sharing good news. So that was not in my notes at all, but... Thank you, God, for helping us to be people that share good news. There should be something about our lives that... It's like, it's like a two-year-old. You, you can tell when the kids have been in the room playing with stuff because it's like this wake of destruction that's behind them. Like, like you can tell, oh, the kids have been in the toy box and the kids have been here and they've been there and all the stuff is out from underneath the coffee table. Whatever it is, there's, there's this wake of destruction behind them. I think our lives ought to leave a wake of joy behind us. That there should be something about having encounters with us that people come away just, man, I feel a little happier today because I got to talk with Chris. Come on, I don't know how many people can say that. Uh, please don't ask Pam later if that's something she could say every time. But I think that should be the hallmark of Christians' lives is that there is joy, a trail of joy behind us wherever we go because we are people of good news. Because we are the ones that carry the message of Jesus. All right. Some of you are thinking about saying amen. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Chris, get off your soapbox. Just Christian, we should be different. And there should be something about us that causes good news for everybody. Uh, so, I don't even know where I am in my notes because I'm, I'm on that rant right now. Uh, so the angel told him not to be afraid. Good news of great joy. In that moment, when the angel made that announcement to the shepherds, 
they went from being nomads and outcasts to being part of the family. I am included once again. I've been brought near. There's a message that causes me to come close and be included. And that's still today our message. The gospel should bring people who are far away near. And they should feel embraced. We're called to carry good news to people who have been living disconnected lives. In Luke 2.17, after uh, they went to see Jesus, they, they came, they, they heard the announcement from the angel. They said, let's go see this thing that he told us about. This is so exciting. Let's go see who Jesus is. It says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child. Here were guys that couldn't even give testimony in a court. They were the first ones entrusted with sharing the message of Jesus to the entire world. It says they went and told everyone. People were amazed by what the shepherds had. Being included stirred them to want to tell everybody the news that they had received. It says they went away praising God and rejoicing. There's something about being honored and being included and being embraced that causes us to want to share that with people. An encounter with Jesus changed their lives. They went from being on the outside to being included, to being figurines that everybody has in their nativity set because they were a vital part of the story. I think here are some things that the shepherds had that maybe, maybe these things didn't come to light until they got included in Jesus' story. Uh, they care for the vulnerable. Come on, sheep. I read about sheep this week. They don't even have a natural instinct to find their way home back to the sheep pen. If, if you just let them go, there's nothing in there that clicks naturally to say, oh, that's the way back. That's why they need a shepherd. They're vulnerable. And the shepherds care for them. Maybe we're called to do the same thing. Widows and orphans and people who need help that can't help themselves, people that are in just dark places need us to come and embrace them. Uh, I think, uh, I was thinking about the shepherds this week. People were clothed with the work of the shepherd. I don't know that all those people walking around with these wool garments that were keeping them warm. I don't know that they stopped to think, man, I'm so glad there's a shepherd out there somewhere that takes care of those sheep to provide something. For me. They had more value than you would ever think about. Uh, not just physically, they helped clothe people spiritually. Historically, those shepherds that were living outside of Bethlehem, they were close enough to Jerusalem, they were probably the shepherds that tended the flock of sheep that people actually ended up using as their sacrifice in the temple to renew their covenant with God every year. Because that was what they had to do. They had to bring their Passover lamb, make an offering and a sacrifice. And those shepherds that got that first message were probably the ones that were caring for sheep that would be used for that purpose. I think it's so cool. They, they got to step out of clothing people under the old covenant into the new covenant saying, let me tell you about it what he's done for us. Sometimes the people that seem to have the least to offer make the best family. You ever meet anybody like that? Like the whole world has written them off and, and they're looking at them like, why would you ever have that person in your circle of friends? Or why would you invite them to your house? Why would you include them in your family? Sometimes those are the very people that have the most to offer to us. The people that bring value to our lives, bring joy to us, and give something back to us that we could never get anywhere else. On the best gifts that we get every year, the best gifts that we give, they have intentionality behind them. There's a plan and a thoughtfulness 
Uh, the best gifts aren't the ones that, oh, I just went at the last minute, took something out of the drawer and wrapped it for you. Best gifts have intentionality, and I think it's the same thing with relationships and family. The life-giving relationships that we experience have intentionality behind them. There's people that are thinking about us, that care about us, that pray for us, that reach out to us. Those are the relationships that really matter and add value to our lives. So this is what I would like us to do for an action item. And it's not just for this week. It could be for this entire month. But the action item I have is to include someone in a Christmas plan with you. Maybe somebody that you find out they're by themselves at the holidays. Uh, they don't have a lot of family around. Maybe, maybe it's a hard year. Maybe the rest of their family has said, hey, for, for coronavirus Christmas, we don't want to be around family. Maybe they could be included in some plan. And I don't know what it is. Your plan might be, hey, we're going to include you in, in coming over our house for a Christmas meal. Or your plan might be, we're, we're going to include you as one of the people that we bake cookies for and drop them off every year. I, I don't know what the plan is. Just some kind of Christmas plan. Include someone else in that plan that might not usually be in there. Uh, you never know how it will change people's lives. They might feel like a shepherd sitting out in the back field, alone, outside, smelling like sheep, and then somebody cares enough to bring them into their plan. There is a hunger for connection and family in our culture right now. And the world needs us to be that for people. So let's go ahead and stand. We're, we're going to worship a little bit before we go out the door, but I just want to encourage you. You carry a great message. You have something to offer people. There's something that people long for that we have in our lives. And we are called as Christians to be those carriers of joy that include people and bring them near because Christmas really is about family and connecting people together. Let's pray together right now. God, we come before you. We thank you that, first of all, Lord, we thank you that you included us in your family, that you stepped out of glory, you came as a baby in this earth, you lived your life, you died on the cross, you rose again so that we could be part of your family, so that we could be brought near to you, Lord, where we were living far from you, running our own lives, running the opposite direction from you, you brought us near to yourself. Lord, help us to be ones that do that for others. Let us embrace those that are living far from you. Let us embrace those who are disconnected right now from other relationships and embrace them and bring them near. Lord, I just ask uh, for anybody that's watching right now, if you've never come home and embraced Jesus, if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, you felt like you're living far from him. This is a great time to just make that real and to say, Jesus, I trust that what you did on the cross was for me so that I could be included in your family and have a relationship with you. It's that easy to come home, to be embraced. Lord, we just ask that you would help our lives to carry that message to others. Lord, let us leave a trail of joy in our wake wherever we go. Lord, let people see you through our lives. God, bless us indeed, even as we go from this place. Just let your presence and your joy go with us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen.